Hey guys, my name is Jackson Danner. I'm with my good friend Omar. Uh, we're kind of going to go over, we're going into the final stretch of the FCS football season uh, this spring and kind of go over our top Walter Payton and Buck Buchanan awards. Yeah, uh, I'm very excited. Uh, it's kind of gone by quick now that I think about it, but it really has. It's been flying by, it feels like. Yeah, for sure. And like now, before we know it, we're in the heat of like the playoff race. And I kind of like this better, honestly, this type of playoff race uh, where it's like it's big enough where, um, you know, enough enough teams get in. But it's also small enough. And I know it's usually a 2014 playoff, but it's small enough that 16 teams or some teams are left outside on the bubble. And there's really some discussion about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it, the, like you said, not too big, not too small. So <laughs> Um, who, who are your top four guys for the Walter Payton Award, which if you don't already know, goes to the top offensive player in the FCS, uh, kind of a Heisman, so to speak, for the offense. Who's your top four right now? Yeah, so we're changing it up a bit. We're going with our, um, since we're on the home stretch, we're going with our top four uh, folks for the award. So my top four, uh, I still got Schmidt on top, really. And I think that's like his stats aren't the best. He's only played four. He's only played three games, um, so keep that in mind. But he's on like the best team, and it's a quarterback's word. He's a quarterback in the best team, so a little bit of like maybe a, a Mac Jones effect there. It's him being like a finalist, and I know it's gonna make Jackson's blood boil. <laughs> Not a Mac Jones guy. Which by the way, we're already gonna get off topic. Did you see that look of PTSD on Kyle Shanahan's face when Mac Jones overthrew? That oh man, it was like you could tell he was like. Ooh, that's how we lost to Mahomes. We can't be taking this guy and have the same mistake. So it was funny if you didn't see it. Look it up. Was it wasn't funny for me a Niners fan? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, everyone except 49ers fans and, and Mac Jones enthusiasts, because there are those on Twitter and they really so. Yeah. So I mean, I guess a little bit of Mac Jones effect with Schmidt at one. Uh, my number two and three are interchangeable. I'm gonna turn some heads a bit here. And I'm not being biased, but I think uh, if there's a year for a receiver to win the um, Walter Payton, I think it's this year. And you have a receiver who's having an absolute breakout year. Uh, Jacob Harris, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, Harris, Harris, out of VMI, uh, 48 catches, 583 yards, six touchdowns, an absolute monster last two weeks. And I'm pulling it up, what I sent to Jackson on my phone really quick. Uh, it'd be good if I turned up the brightness. But um, – so against Sanford, he had 14 catches, 166 yards. This past week against Wofford, 15 catches for 207, and he's had five touchdowns in the past two weeks. So he's really come, he's really come on, come on the scene lately. Uh, but he's been producing all year. So again, like when it comes to receivers having a great six or six seven game season, BMI's gonna play seven games. I think this year might be the year. Number three, Lindsey Scott is back in the top in the discussion for both of us after that 75 to 45. Um, really uh, March Madness shootout we had with uh, Incarnate Ward uh, and then Eric Barrier at the bottom. And I, I have Barrier slash Cameron Ward because even though Ward lost, Ward's got 20 touchdowns on the year in four, in four games. I, I Like that can't be underestimated. Yeah, I was at lunch and like literally every time I refreshed my phone, Nichols scored again, or like there was a score change. Like it was insane. It wasn't always by Lindsey Scott, but it wasn't uncommon for it to be, obviously. Um, he had just an electric game. 
I think definitely got back that uh, hopefully that game against Sam Houston State was a fluke. I think Sam Houston State is the better team. Um, but I mean, I don't think Nichols should have gotten beaten like that either. Um, and you're right, Sam Houston State's a legitimate threat to, to win it all this year. Um, I have a similar top four. I don't have a receiver, but I do have a pretty similar top four. I do have Schmidt at the top, only three games played, and he has three more yards than Lindsey Scott's, four less touchdown and one less rushing, four less touchdowns and one less rushing touchdown. But like, I mean, he's still killing it. Like his stats are still great considering he's only played three games and he has 14 total touchdowns. Schmidt's killing it. Um, I do have Lindsey Scott at two, just five games played, 14 touchdowns, a little over 1,100 yards and five rushing touchdowns and a 64.5% completion rate. Um, He's still killing it. And that was with one terrible game. So he still has good stats with that bad game. I actually have Cameron Ward at three game uh, at three games played uh, also at number three. Um, the main reason I have him, I, I kind of want to give the edge to my fourth guy. I think he's probably played better, but Cameron Ward is a quarterback and this is for the most part a quarterback award. So I am going to go with Cameron Ward, the quarterback of incarnate word. Uh, three games played, 14 touchdowns, a little over 1,000 yards, and two rushing touchdowns, 62% completion rate. My fourth guy is Otis Weya, the running back from North Dakota. His production outside of the North Dakota State game, even when he, he did a pretty good job in that game, he just didn't end up in the end zone. Um, and five games played, 570 yards, and seven touchdowns, 46 carries. Like, he's still been doing really well. Um, and he just, I don't think he got the, the, uh, the workload in the North Dakota state game to really be successful. He definitely didn't get in the red zone. Um, and uh, we talked a little bit about that last week. It's tough to run the ball when you're behind. And so I can understand why they went away from it, but they probably would have had a little bit more success. It would have been a closer game. I feel like if they would have, uh, if they would have let way do his thing, because he's their best weapon on offense by yeah, I, I just wanna I just wanna bring up that uh, Cameron Ward, like you mentioned, it was not it was not his fault that Incarnate Ward lost to uh, Nichols because Ward had six touchdowns and 470 yards to bring his total up to 20 pass touchdowns on the year. It, uh, so uh, it's just that it's just that loss. I feel like it's literally right. when it comes to the Southland, it's like the Wild West. It's a gunfight with those top three offenses, and it's like if you lose those gunfights. You're out. You're you're not gonna win this race. Um, that's no other way. To yeah, play. that's a good way to put it. Like you're just you're just not going to. If you don't win that, you just you're out of it. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe maybe we're being biased toward Lindsey Scott because um, I know you have Ward low on your list. Um, you, like you number three, right? Yeah, I have him. Or do you on two? Award was number four, tied with Barrier for me. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's just because he's on the radar. Um, yeah, like they he didn't have an eighty-seven to three victory against um, a Division two squad like like uh, Lindsey Scott had, and um, I don't think I don't I don't think it's fair. You know, maybe someone will call us out on this because I wrote down Lindsey Scott's stats against Sam Houston State, and um, he was fourteen and thirty-five for hundred eighty-six yards. It was ugly. It was ugly. For, for sure. And yet we still yeah. have our list. So, you know, maybe we'll get called out for that. Maybe it's not fair to Cameron Warden. Um, 
I guess we'll have to keep our eyes open more for for him. Yeah, I mean, I don't have I, I, Cameron Norton has had more success throwing the ball. I just like um I just like Lindsey Scott as far as his his rushing ability. He's he's a he's a threat in the running game too. Um, and I, I'm a sucker for that type of quarterback. So I, I really like that. And I think it's also maybe a better storyline, but I mean, you could debate between Ward and Scott. You could do that for sure. If you, if one bad game kind of throws you off of this, then Ward should go to that second spot. I'll admit that. Yeah. And, um, you mentioned the running game with Lindsey Scott, like even with sacks accounted for, he's averaging 6.2 yards of carry. Uh, that's 53 carries, 330 on the year. Take away the sacks, and it's like gonna go up a lot more. I mean, take away the um, Sam Houston State game where he had 14 carries for 10 yards, then he's averaging. Let me calculate this really quick. He's averaging more rushing yards and more passing yards than, or uh, and more rushing touchdowns. Sorry, than like anyone we've talked about. Yeah, you know, he's averaging eight yards a carry. Yeah, without um Sam Houston State. Actually, you know what? I, I want to correct myself. Uh, Mark Gronowski does have one more rushing touchdown, but he only has like seven passing touchdowns. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I forgot Gronowski had that weird game where he like ran for three or four touchdowns. So, yeah, it's just it's just a style of play too out in the Missouri Valley, honestly. Right. Like kind of kind of stodgy. We see like North Dakota State where it's like on and off every year where you have a guy like uh, Trey Lance one year, the next year you'll have a, you know, more of a game manager type like Zeb Nolan or even a guy like Easton Stick, um, you know, or how can I forget Carson Wentz? Like you have game breakers one year and then game managers each year. So it just depends what you get out of the Missouri Valley Conference. Yeah, for sure. Um who were uh, uh, now? We do want to still recognize like guys that perform well week to week, even if they're not necessarily in the running or at the very least the front running of um of these awards. Who are a couple of guys that you thought you know played really well this week? Yeah, so my first guy, I got Liam Welch as my first guy, and he had like an absolute like stunning game against Citadel against the Citadel, and that. Those guys are 0-9 out there in Charleston. You got a feel for him. Um, yeah, but, I mean, he, he had 306 passing yards. He had 13 carries for 139 yards, uh, four total touchdowns. Um, and, yeah, like Liam Welch is one of my sleepers. And the only, only thing stopping Liam Welch is his defense because Sanford can't really play defense. We saw him, we, I mean, we've seen it throughout. This was their best defensive performance against Triple Option Citadel. Um and I, I have, like, as a sleeper, him and Ty King, because Ty King has over 900, has 967 all-purpose yards, three touchdowns, uh, averaging over 20 yards a catch. So really an explosive kind of, like, can I give a comparison, I guess, to, like, a past Heisman winner? Um, maybe, like, a, a Desmond Howard type guy, the guy like a game-breaker that can change the game. Um, but, again, Sanford doesn't play defense. If they play defense, maybe King would be in the discussion, and maybe Welch would as well. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, you have to be on a winning team to really be on these radars. Um, and uh, I mean, you would you would like that to not be the case. You would like it to go to truly the best player. But, um, you know, it's it doesn't always go that way for the awards, at least. Um, I had a guy who's who did really well this past weekend um, and has had a decent season Tamar Pierce out of running back, a running back out of Eastern Washington. 
um, seven carries, but 80 yards and two touchdowns. He was averaging over 11 yards a carry this past game. It was insane. Um, he has 39 carries, uh, 282 yards and four touchdowns on the season. So about a seven yard average, not a spectacular season, not enough to win the Walter Payton as a non quarterback, but um, still balled out in this past game. Good job to Pierce. Yeah, no, for sure. My next guy was actually a running back as well. Um, a guy that showed out to Quay Holmes out of East Tennessee State, the Buccaneers. He had, um, sorry, geez, lost my train of thought. He had uh, 197 yards on 30 carries against another hapless team from the SoCon, um, Western Carolina, who's at one and eight right now. Uh, yeah, so 30 carries, really, like, that's like the workload you want to see a guy like Otis Weah have to win this award. But that was really Holmes' best, or, yeah, best game since uh, the first game of the season against Sanford uh, with, when he had 19 carries, 125 yards. The next two weeks after that game, he had 30 carries for 94 yards. So it was tough sledding for Holmes until um, he played 1-8 Western Carolina. So maybe that was, that was what the doctor ordered, a bottom feeder SoCon team. You know, this is kind of a weird application, but, like, I think, like – I hate to say it, but like Derrick Henry not winning the MVP this year, because I think he was the most valuable player in the NFL this past year. That kind of affects how we look at um, MVP awards and and the Walter Payton Award, because in my opinion, at least because of a guy like Walter, like like Walter Payton, like uh, like Derrick Henry didn't win it. They're like what running back can win it? You know, if you have a similar award and even though it's at a lower level and all that. It's like, I don't know. It's like, I know Devontae Smith, and that's probably a little bit more applicable since it's a college award. But, like, I just don't like how it doesn't seem to be running backs. I don't know. I, I'm kind of going off of a tangent there. I just – that thought popped in my head. But, um, uh, you, you know, it's tough to think about running backs and then not think of Derrick Henry right now with the level of play he has. So um, another guy I have is Cody Wilstead, uh, the quarterback from Dixie State. Uh, five games played, 10 touchdowns, and his yards were pretty good. He's averaging like, you know, in the upper 200s, uh, low to mid 300s. He had a 79-yard game, though, and that leaves a bad taste in your mouth um, for sure. And the reason I want to bring him up, though, is his past game, he had five touchdowns. So uh, ever since that 79-yard game, which was his third game in the five games played, he had a two-touchdown game and a five-touchdown game. So he's clearly improving. Um, I don't think it's enough to win him the award, but he's definitely – he. I mean, anytime you throw for five touchdowns, that's insane. So I just wanted to bring him up. Yeah, and uh, D- Division two teams are getting the worst of it in the spring season. Uh, Fort, they played against Fort Lewis in that in this past weekend. They lot they beat uh, Dixie State beat Fort Lewis sixty to nothing. Uh, Willstead again had a great game. I think it's hard for a guy like Willstead to get on the radar for these rankings uh, as a FCS independent this spring. Uh, maybe things will change once they join the WAC. Uh, once the WAC comes back, that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, for sure, like Willstead having a nice year and he's played honestly a lot more game. Well, not a lot, but more games than a lot of schools have. Uh, Dixie State's done a good job scheduling and just getting those games played. Uh, in relation to a lot of teams benefit of being an independent i feel like for sure yeah competition hasn't been the best because they played like probably like three division two division two teams and like 
I probably hey, it's better game. than sitting on the couch on Saturday. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, just ask Charleston State, man. They 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 <laughs> same thing too, playing those Division two schools, uh, and doing a good job at it too. Um, yeah. So I guess I guess segueing to my next guy, or it's two guys. Uh, we had an interesting quarterback duel, not a conventional quarterback duel for the Rams Crusader Cup, uh, between Holy Cross and Fordham. On one end, you had Tim DeMorat out of Fordham. I think he was from uh, the podcast I did with uh, Sam Basil uh, of A10 Talk previewing the game. He was, I think, the Patriot League, I guess, preseason player of the year, something like that. But whatever he was, he showed out because he had he had 440 passing yards, 44 rushing yards. Unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, Fordham lost to Holy Cross that, that weekend, <laughs> this past weekend. Um, and Co- Holy Cross had some quarterback troubles with Connor Deganhart. Uh, as I put on my Instagram story, uh, you know, great value, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence with the, with the locks of hair. He only, he only had 37 passing yards, so they benched Deegan Hart. They put in Matt Sluka, and this is my other guy, who had 12 carries for 145 yards rushing and sparked the Holy Cross offense. So a bit of, um, for those of you Mac fans watching this, uh, Sluka kind of reminds me a bit of, you know, Jordan Lynch back in the day uh, for Northern Illinois, just like that guy that's like absolutely explosive running the ball. Um, maybe even like a Denard Robinson as well uh, with that high yards of carry. So a little bit of a quarterback controversy with Holy Cross. We'll see what happens. Um, and Demorat as well, proving to be one of the best quarterbacks in the Patriot League for Fordham. Yeah, absolutely. Something to keep an eye on. And um, as a quarterback, it's probably a little bit easier to get on the radar at this point in the season too, um, for sure. Um, I'll go ahead and, and lead in with my Buck Buchanan top four, if that works good with you. Um, I'll go ahead and go. My first guy is Jack McDonald, a linebacker out of Austin P. And five games played, he has been flying. 40 tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss, two and a half, which were sacks, a pick six, and two forced fumbles. He's just, he's having an impact all over the field and consistently playing really well. Um, so great job, to, great job to Jack McDonald. My next guy is Mike Green, a defensive lineman from James Madison. In four games played, he has 12 tackles, but seven and a half tackles for loss, two of which were sacks. Um, so he's he's having a great year so far. And James Madison in general is having, having a pretty good year too. Um, my next guy, and I want to talk about this with you, uh, Jamani Crane, the uh, defensive lineman out of Jackson State. Four games played, 15 tackles, four tackles for loss, and a scoop and score. The main reason I have him is because I, I think he's like the third most likely to win it because he had arguably the most memorable play of the season where Dion talks about at halftime, like you need to, you know, someone go get the ball, someone go score on defense, you know, and I mean, Dion's a defensive guy. Um, and Jamani Crane does that, does a little Dion shuffle into the end zone with like 30 seconds left in the game. It's already sealed up, but that was like, that stuck in your head. And he also hasn't had a bad season. So it just makes you, um, just makes you think that, you know, maybe he could actually win this thing. And this is a front seven award. Um, next I have Malaki Malaki, a linebacker from Dixie state, uh, in four games played just flying all over the field, 39 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss. It doesn't have an interception, none of that, but his production and tackling and uh, just one less tackle than Jack McDonald, my front runner and one less game. Um, he has 20 solo, which is higher than anyone that's on my radar, quite possibly in the whole FCS. 
Um, just his production, just wrapping it up, is he's just been phenomenal this year. Um, yeah, so my, um, I have a completely different top four and I just think that's like the scope of this league where it's like of this season where you have, um, you don't really have like a, a landmark defensive player. Like I talked about like last week, like a, like a linebacker that everyone, um, you know, sort of, it, I mean, rallies around is high profile, like a Tyler Matikevich, just Scooby Wright or defensive back that um, has caught the eyes of the country, whether it was like Desmond King in 2015 with Iowa on that Rose Bowl team. Um, so there's like a whole section, like my number one guy is, oh, go ahead, Jackson. Oh, I was just going to ask, like, do you, do we not share one similar name on this list? Honestly, no, we, we don't really. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, and there are some things too. I, I too considered. Yeah. I quite possibly have missed some guys because if, if you don't know, and if, if you don't know, for those of you who are not looking up, uh, defensive statistics every week. Like it only lists on each school's website. So like you have to go to like every school's website. So I could have easily missed some for sure. So I, I'm curious to hear your top four. Yeah, like I thought about Crane too, but I don't think the production was there tackles and tackles for loss wise. I don't think so either. I just think having the most memorable play of the year, like definitely gets you like some brownie points and on the, like the most like talked about team too. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. I like it, but I just think it's reality with voters. I think as well, and just like them being on TV as well, um, you know, almost every week, like they will be this this next weekend. Or, yeah, against uh, – is it Alabama A&M? I think it's Alabama A&M. No, no, it's Southern, Southern, Southern Jaguars. Um, yeah, but – so I, I was more linebacker and defensive back focused because, again, I felt like given the conditions, this might be the year for a um, – defensive back to win it for the first time or only the second time ever in first since 2003 so my number one though is still a linebacker Nicario Harper from Jacksonville State and the Gamecocks uh, have played nine games they lost this past weekend to Austin P which might hurt Har Harper's case a bit but through no fault of the defense it was a 13-10 game Harper has 64 tackles in nine games and I think that leads the country right now uh, three interceptions he had one 64-yard uh, fumble return. So he's all over the place making tackles. And I think the stats, um, I mean, they, it's not that they, that they don't lie. He's played the most games, and he sustained a high-level play over the most games in fall and spring. It's like he picked up where he left off in the fall almost. So that's where I'm – It's a whole different thing. Yeah, it's a whole different thing to have that kind of production over this long – and, like, this long of a calendar year, too, not just nine games, but, like, you're talking about I – don't, I don't know. I'm assuming they had a cupcake game in September or something like that. No, no, game. they did not, actually. They had. Oh, really? Yeah, so they, they just had three games um, in the fall. They had, they had Mercer, um, which Mercer – they, they beat Chattanooga, ranked Chattanooga, but that game, as we'll, we'll probably talk about later on when it comes to right. the end of the season. They, when, uh, when were their games in the fall? Like, were they kind of closer to November, December? Or were I they? Think they were earlier. Um, okay. Yeah. So they were still early, but just not cupcake games, paycheck games. Oh, no, yeah. Two, yeah. F two FBS opponents. Okay. Yeah, that's still really good, though, for like this time. I mean, we're in like April now. So <laughs> to have that kind of production. Over that long, that's that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
So, yeah, I have Harper, number one, from Jacksonville State. Number two, I have Chris Edmonds from Sanford. And this guy, if there is a D-back to win it, I'd say Edmonds might be a guy because he's got 37 tackles, two and a half tackles for a loss, four interceptions for the Bulldogs. Um, and when I say they don't play defense, it's not through Edmonds' fault because Edmonds is, you know, he's a, he's a ball hawking safety. He's in the mix with the tackles for loss. And the stats are there. Number three, I got Connor Riddle for VMI. And what's hurt? Riddle. Riddle would be number one for me over Harper if VMI hadn't slipped over the past two weeks on defense, but he still has five sacks, nine and a half tackles for a loss, one interception, 46 tackles. And my fourth guy is another defensive back, kind of a dark horse, Marcus Floyd out of Murray State. And Murray State has been really under the radar in the Ohio Valley Conference. They're 5-0, and and if they end up undefeated, um, they'll, they'll win the Ohio Valley Conference because they play Jacksonville State last weekend of the season. So that'll be for all the marbles out there down south. But he's got four interceptions. He's got 21 tackles, three pass breakups on top of that. So, again, just another ball hawk. Um, and How many games played? I, th- I might have missed that. Oh, five games. So the Murray okay. Aces are 5-0. and oh. they're, they're yeah, That's really good. For the Ohio Valley Conference. And they'll play Jacksonville State. So maybe we'll see. Maybe the winner of that one, whether it's Floyd or Harper, if – Floyd is the interception that game. Maybe he'll win the Buck Buchanan. Yeah, that's a great top four. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look some of those guys up and, and kind of compare it and watch some highlights. Um, but yeah, that's a great top four. And then, um, did you have any guys that like really stood out to you that played great this week that maybe are not gonna win, but um, just balled out this past weekend? Um, no, I mean, I don't, I don't really have any guys other than, uh, than Floyd. He has th- three interceptions, my mistake, not four. Um, who had a three, he had a 33 yard, uh, interception return. Um, but yeah, I didn't really have any, any guys. Uh, if there would, there was a standout team performance, I'd have to say it was the, uh, Sanford defense against Citadel. And maybe that, that's what the defense needed to get back on track is to play, and 0 and 8 option team in the Citadel Bulldogs. Maybe maybe that's what they needed. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. There was no one that was like just really wowed you um, this week at least. But um, but I mean we are getting later into the season. We have had so many interruptions. We'll get into that a little bit later with postponements, cancellations, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, we're gonna um, hopefully next week we have a little bit more similar top four. Um, but we can, we can look at that for sure. And this is just for context. I love DBs. And like early on this season, I was like picking almost all DBs just because I'm a, I'm a back. Yeah. I'm a back four, back five guy. Um, I don't know if that's the term for it, but I'm not big on like linebackers and stuff. I think you can make, I think you can win defensively in the backfield. Um, and, uh, but like just historically, this award has only gone to like one defensive back. And like we mentioned before, he played like 10 years in the NFL. So it's just like, for the most part, it's a front seven award, um, even though it is supposed to go to the best defensive player. But um, that, that's a discussion for another time, for sure. Um, kind of, I think this is by far our biggest postponement of the year. Um, South Dakota State and North Dakota State games that was college game day last year, a game that is historically kind of a preview of what we see in, in the, in January and in December for the FCS playoffs. Um, what, what do you think about that game getting postponed and how it affects the NBA? 
so honestly, I, I think, you know, the Missouri Valley Conference's model was kind of flawed in how they tried to really squish together so many games in a short period of time without any um, really open space. And you see, like, that one week of buffer was necessary. I mean, they should learn from the Big Ten, uh, the Pac-12, even last year. Or, um, yeah, last season, the fall season. Still technically the same season. Um, but, yeah, like, they should have learned from that and, and kept the buffer week and maybe done a geographic model um, because now there's no way to fit that game back in the schedule. So I think, uh, well, yeah. Kind of like you could say, kind of like the Big Ten, maybe, who didn't want to play until, like, late October or early November. I can't remember which one and treated the SEC and ACC like they were insane for playing, like, during the early fall. But, uh, yeah, like, leaving no wiggle room like that is just a bad idea. When, I mean, honestly, these smaller schools, a lot of them have great facilities. Like, don't get me wrong, but they don't have the budget to, like, do this. Like, it, it, it's just, like, it's just – it's not fair, but it's just, like, math that, like, you're going to have probably have more COVID cases when you can't test as often – you can't go to as many precautions. Like it's just, it's just all around like tougher. I feel like to keep these these kids uh, safe from from getting it and testing positive. We're getting into vaccinations and stuff like that. I'm not quite sure how the schools are handling that, um, but it's just like it's just it's difficult. Like it's probably more difficult than the FBS because you're not getting the same type of money pumping into it either. Yeah, and. I didn't think about the money part in terms of like how much it costs to have COVID testing for sure. But I mean, that's definitely an impact. Um, but you see some conferences handling it, handling it well, like the big sky who um, had a buffer week, a minimized schedule and they're working through it. Uh, they don't have a conference championship game, which might complicate things a bit like in the, like it will in the colonial athletic association in the Missouri Valley conference and, and, I would have said the SoCon, but Chattanooga bowed out. Like, you just see, it's taking a toll on, on teams. Like, Chattanooga started a lot of freshmen against Mercer. I remember seeing the score. I'm like, why is Mercer up on Chattanooga? Uh, but it t- come, turns out that they started out um, a bunch of freshmen. And after that – Yeah, these guys are straight out of high school and playing, like, a not terrible Mercer team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah. And then after that, they opted out of the season. Like – so it was like the writing was on the wall. So like this, this season's taking a toll on a lot of teams and uh, maybe it's not what they intended. I mean, I know it's not, definitely not what FCS conferences intended when they postponed it this spring. Um, but yeah, like we'll just have to, I, th- I think the F- I think FCS is limping in the end, honestly. And I, I'd hate to say it, but I think we might have a, um, I guess a no contest in the playoffs. I feel like that might happen where like a team gets COVID and they can't play. Uh, like we saw, we saw it happen on March Madness, March like with Oregon and VCU. I, I think it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Also, I, I just kind of realized this like, probably they weren't like exactly trying to, you know, if at all possible, they probably weren't trying to play this game because this is the biggest headliner for the FCS all year. And it also happens to be like right before the Final Four on saturday so they probably didn't hesitate too much to like postpone this game because it's gonna get good ratings i would think um and uh, i'm not sure if it was going to be on espn plus or espn U or one of those 
Um, but they probably didn't hesitate too much considering it would conflict with uh, what the average sports fan will probably be watching Saturday. Yeah, I mean, shoot, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I gotta, I'm gonna start following baseball because it's opening day. Um, opening day on April 1st. Hopefully, this will turn the country around. Um, we'll see. But yeah, like, um, there are still games on the slate, but it's uh, it's beginning to look kind of kind of sad and kind of ugly, you know. Yeah, no, it's it is starting to look rough. But um, hopefully, we can get through the postseason. We haven't had good luck with spring football the past two years, not related. I guess last year was kind of related to COVID, but the rock can bring us back. Um, so, but the, the AAF was, was kind of rough. So hopefully we can actually get through like a legitimate playoffs. And um, that, that would be awesome to see that. So, yeah. But um, what are some of your games to watch this weekend? So I got I got a few games to watch. I would have said um, the rivalry, Lafayette Lehigh would have been the game to watch, but that's next week, um, and it's kind of good. I guess it's how God intended it to be, with Lafayette and Lehigh ending on a final week of Patriot League play before the championship game. But I want to start off 3 p.m. Eastern on the West Coast Conference Network, and that's on stadiums page uh, for those of you that know about stadiums um actually no it's on the conferences page actually that the speed broadcast is on not really associated with stadiums but um so san diego has a 41 game con- or 40 game conference winning streak in the pioneer football league but they've kind of been limping through their opponents um week one we mentioned that drake game where they allowed 25 yards of offense but only won 13 to 10. Uh, the next week, they only they beat a Butler team that was one in eleven or one in ten the previous year. Uh, they only beat them twenty-seven to thirteen, and that that was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. This past weekend against Presbyterian, a scrappy Blue Hose team from South Carolina, they uh, beat them twenty-four to twenty-one. Uh, Presbyterian took them down to the wire. This week, I think uh, this is the most real chance this year for their winning streak to fall. And this one's for all the marbles. This is probably Davidson's, and I wrote an article about this. Um, if you want to subscribe to the Substack, to, to the new Substack I'm part of. Um, but this is probably the biggest game for Davidson since the 1969 Tangerine Bowl, their only bowl appearance against Toledo, which they lost 56 to 33. Or if you like international football, the 1994 Bermuda Bowl against Suwannee, uh, where they played in Bermuda, which is cool. But this Davidson team, uh, they run, they run option. They have a nice downhill running game. Tyler Phelps playing quarterback well there. Uh, Coy Williams, big back there. And they, I mean, it, it, they have a plethora of backs in that backfield. I think if there's a, a time for that for San Diego to get upset, I think it would be this week. And Davidson with that nice option game can take time off the clock, keep San Diego's offense off the field. And I think we might see history this weekend. Uh, and again, winners in the driver's seat for the Pioneer Football League in the playoff appearance. Right. Absolutely. Those are great games to watch. And yeah, I'm looking forward to that one next week. That'll be with Lafayette. Yeah, that'll be really fun. Um, I've got one, uh, two undefeated teams, which we haven't seen too often this late in the season. James Madison at Richmond. James Madison has had a phenomenal year so far at 4-0. I haven't seen too much from Richmond. They're only 3-0. And I, I also just haven't like watched them too much. We haven't had anyone that we've talked about on Richmond. So I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, it's the second versus the third place in the CAA South. 
Um, another one after last week, especially ETSU at VMI, like VMI just keeps surprising me. Like I'm like, ah, okay, yeah, they lucked out, but this is going to be the week they lose. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, like those idiots, like I turned off the game and I was like, you know, they lost this one. No, even with the mixed extra point and shooting themselves in the foot, they came back. And then last week I was like, okay, the starting quarterback is probably out on a team that's on kind of a hot streak and eager to get another win, you know, okay, this is going to be the one they lose and they didn't. And so I'm excited to see if BMI can still pull it off again. Uh, do we know who's starting this week? I haven't seen any injury reports or anything from yeah, them. So from what I heard, or I think I saw on the site, um, this injury for Udinsky was season ending. So Seth Okay, was, really? But Morgan okay. played amazing last week. Yeah, he played really good. Um, so, okay. So Udinsky is out for the year, but, um, but we'll see, we'll see him again after his great performance last week. So that one's going to be Saturday at one thirty Eastern time on ESPN plus it's the second versus the first place in the SoCon. Um, and then another one I have is Eastern Washington at UC Davis, both teams, three and one second versus third in the big sky. I really like how Eastern Washington is playing, especially on offense and UC Davis, like we've had a few guys that we've talked about them on defense. Um, Luke Dip, Luke Nixon, uh, defensive lineman, actually had a pretty good game last week. Um, so I'm excited to see them. That's going to be 4.05 Eastern on Pluto TV. Yeah, and Pluto TV is free. It's really great that the Big Sky partnered up with that um, up-and-coming. Yeah, that, that is awesome. It's amazing. Uh, how could I forget tonight? We have some Thursday night football, so cue the pentatonics. <laughs> we do, and we're going to see Eric Schmidt again. Yeah, and I think maybe um, this Thursday night performance could catapult him, you know, into really into the, like, even more so the driver's seat for the Walter Payton against Northwestern State. Now, if you wanted to comparative stats, Lindsey Scott had a solid game against Northwestern State, but the, the Colonels didn't blow out uh, Northwestern State as everyone would have thought. That was a close game to the end. So maybe if Schmidt and the Bearcats – blow out the demons maybe schmidt i mean maybe like it won't even be much of a discussion for us next week uh you know for the, for the yeah you could you we could see schmidt run away with this thing pretty quickly so let's just hope he stays healthy but doesn't do that fantastic because i love i love Lindsay Scott. <laughs> i love discussing this every week but we'll see Yeah, and then um, have like a 79-yard game just like uh, Fotu did. Or not Fotu. Um, who was the guy we talked about earlier? Will Stead. <laughs> just have one 79-yard game so Scott can catch up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but even then, um, you know, actually maybe we should root for that because that will give us more to talk about. I mean, if Schmidt's running away with it, it won't give us much of a debate. See, there we go. That's that's the spirit. That's the way to think of it. But I'm not rooting for anyone. I'm unbiased. Um, if any, if anything, I'm rooting for a wide receiver or running back to win it, because uh, I love historical events. Um, another game I'm looking at uh, as well, I'd have to say the Big South has kind of been overlooked because they've had COVID-19 problems. So I'm going to go with two here. Uh, first, you have uh, Monmouth Gardner-Webb, one Eastern, and this Gardner-Webb team hasn't played in forever. They're two and zero, uh, and Monmouth went to the playoff playoffs last year with an 11 and three record out there in the big South. And who knows if maybe Gardner Webb beats Monmouth, then that'll put them in the driver's seat for their first playoff appearance ever, but they avoid Kennesaw state. So I can see the big South giving the edge to Kennesaw state 
as the representative for the conference it, again it's just a tough situation with COVID like like what do you do here when these games can't be rescheduled because literally if Gardner-Webb beats Monmouth then it's gonna it you need Kennesaw State versus Gardner-Webb for all the marbles in that conference so it's a tough situation and then after that depends uh this one depends on semantics for you for how big it is but uh, Bucknell has a chance to clinch the Patriot League South Division. And if you, if you consider championship games, conference championships, to be postseason games, then yes, they would clinch their first postseason appearance since, 1930, since the 1936 Orange Bowl. Hey, that counts. That counts. Yeah, I mean, it, it counts. Um, but if not, it's still a huge boon for the uh, Bucknell program. And last week, they blew out a Lafayette team that had beaten Colgate. They blew them out 38-13. to 13, And... I just love their quarterback's name right here for, for Bucknell. Um, I saw the last name of the ESPN app, uh, Bittacoper, Bittacoffer. It, it, it's, it's such a, it's a, it's a fun name. I'm sorry. I'm going to pull up the pronunciation, but Logan Bittacoper had had a great game out there for, uh, for Bucknell. He had 183 yards, two touchdowns, and, you know, maybe the Bison can beat Lehigh. I mean, Lehigh lost 20 to three to Holy Cross. Uh, that is the only game they have played because <laughs> the Patriot League has, has had many COVID problems. Um, so, again, be there for, for history. ESPN Plus, 12 o'clock. Yeah, that's a great game to keep an eye on. Um, I'll, I'm excited for all of these. Not only do we have some great basketball in the Final Four, um, I'm not a baseball guy. I'm guessing there's baseball on Saturday, too. Um, and then, of course, some great football, which always takes precedent, uh, at least in, in my place. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. And uh, still gonna, going to be missing um, FCF, but we'll, we'll see it next year, I'm sure. So um, I guess one last wrap-up question. Have you fallen for any April Fool's jokes yet? Because I have. Uh, I fell for two. I saw a way too early top 25. I, um, I don't know if you follow Kyle Umlaw on Twitter. I think I do. It had A&M at number one. This. What caught my eye was Liberty at number eight. And I'm like, are you serious? And I clicked. No, I did not see that. That's hilarious. I, I got fooled. And then um, apparently like one of the A10 blogs that I follow, A10 talk posted that the conference is going to have a special announcement. I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty insane. And then the announcement came to like, this is so fake. But I didn't even yeah. it, was it was like the Atlantic 10 was bringing back football. And I'm like, that's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> like, that's yeah. not happening. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I got, um, I got woken up at like three in the morning by a certain dog that lives in this apartment. And uh, so I, it was like the middle of the night. I wasn't thinking about April Fool's. And so I just went on my phone real quick. And the first thing that popped up on my Instagram was that Deshaun Watson got traded to the Lions for Jared Goff and two first-round picks. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is crazy. And then, sure enough, I, I realized, like, after, like, like 15 seconds that it was an April Fool's joke. Um, but I, I did fall for that, and I was, like, freaking out. And I sent it to my friend who is a Texans fan, but I don't think he was up that early, so I, <laughs> I think it's okay. But hopefully I didn't give him a heart attack. But um, yeah, so so just be on the lookout for that. Um, yeah, so and enjoy some good football tonight. Yeah, for sure. And uh, root for Bucknell because there's a lot at stake for me. Um, 
<laughs> you just said you weren't biased. I'm just saying. You just said you weren't rooting for anyone. I'm not biased, but it's an omen. If Bucknell, if Bucknell makes a postseason, it's an omen for me, Jackson. Just trust me. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I'm not rooting for anyone. I'm not biased, but pull for Bucknell. <laughs> Fine. I'll openly pull against Schmidt then. So. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If, if a team makes a postseason – uh, for the first time in 85 years, then I think yeah, uh, that's a big you for a girlfriend. You, you just never know. Like, yeah, crazy never things know. Happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think I think it's best we close this episode. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Jackson has nothing else to say. Um, I don't. Right. No, I'm good. So. All right. Until next time. We're like closing in. Like this is the final stretch before the NFL draft too. So this is like a right. very big stretch of football um this last month we've got a lot going on between the fcs the nfl draft um i would love to the, maybe in a couple of episodes like we should go over some of these fcs prospects like Kate johnson mostly some of these fcs prospects so hopefully be playing on sundays too yeah, that's, that, that's more you man because i'm not i'm not a huge like nfl guy. <laughs> nfl like if a guy's good stats i think he's good to play but um, yeah yeah that, that's <laughs> That's more my a- my draft word doc that I like have every year is at like 29 pages so far. So I'm I'm doing okay on prep, but control F is like my life on that Saturday. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, until next time, you know, maybe look for those prospects for us and uh, enjoy the plethora of sports that we have uh, this weekend because you know last year we weren't in this position. And- yeah. Yeah, we would have loved this. We were watching. We were watching Big Cat playing as dogs. That's how desperate we were. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so until next time, uh, peace, love, and soul.